is week 40 of 2021. This is your Weekly Fix. I'm Smithana. Every 10 years, the exercise of conducting a population census is undertaken in India. It is essentially collecting, compiling, recording, analyzing demographic and socio-economic data of all people in the country. Why does it matter? For one, it forms the basis of our representative democracy. Effective policy-making and planning requires accurate enumeration. The census is therefore the bedrock of all kinds of decision-making. A just, equitable and effective use of public resources can only be done if we are in possession of countrywide updated granular data. That is what the census provides. Why then does a large part of India's reservation or affirmative action program on caste continue to be implemented without any data? Why did I say a large part? Well, Every census in independent India has included a caste-wise enumeration of scheduled castes and scheduled tribes, that is Dalits and Adivasis, but no data is published on other castes. So how has OBC reservation been implemented since the 90s? The Mandal Commission report relied on data from the 1931 caste census conducted under British rule. The population of OBCs, the commission estimated, was to be around 52%. Some say it's an undercount. What about data on upper castes? Professor of Sociology Satish Deshpande posits that as we enter the third decade of the 21st century, the top of Indian society remains overwhelmingly upper caste, while its bottom has stayed almost entirely lower caste. And therein, he concludes, lies the rub. A caste census threatens to push this dimension into the open, making it impossible for the political class to continue to hide behind euphemism and circumvention. Well, the demand for a caste census has come up time and again, every government at the centre has kicked the can down the road. In 2011, though, the Manmohan Singh cabinet decided to conduct a socio-economic caste census. The caste of the household, along with socio-economic status on identified parameters, was collected. This data is yet to be made public. Presently, there is pressure on the Modi government to release this data and for decadal caste enumeration to be undertaken. To help us understand the subject better, we have in the podcast Dr. Rehnamol Ravindran, postdoctoral fellow at Dr. Ambedkar International Center. She taught political science at the Delhi University. Also, Tejas Harad, journalist and political commentator. Tejas has written extensively on caste. Welcome to the podcast and thank you for your time. A little later, senior journalist Sumit Pandey will also join us to talk about the political implications were such an exercise to be undertaken. Dr. Ravindran, in its affidavit in the Supreme Court earlier in September, the Modi government harks back to the decision taken by the Nehru government in preparation of independent India's first census, that of 1951, to say that the then government decided on the official policy of discouragement of caste implying that counting and enumerating castes would somehow mean encouraging or keeping alive the caste system. Your thoughts on that? And two, it's been argued uh, that in British India from 1872 to 1931, when the census exercise included caste enumeration, there was opposition from some upper castes because they feared 
the exercise would expose that they were a statistical minority and that this minority had a disproportionately high representation in all spheres that mattered. Do the facts bear this out? Thank you, Smita, for having me here. I'll go with the first question first. Um, in fact, it was not said by Jawaharlal Nehru, but it was Sardar Patel, who was the Home Minister and also in charge of the census operations. We need to understand the situation in 1951. There was a great euphoria after independence that we would become a casteless society in the next 10 years. This was spoken by both Jawaharlal Nehru and Sardar Patel when they were speaking on a resolution to extend political reservation for scheduled caste and scheduled tribes for 10 years. Both these leaders believe that after 10 years, there would be equality, brotherhood, bonhomie, and there would be no difference between man to man on the basis of caste. But that was not the case. That was why in 1951 itself, the government was made to bring in an amendment to the constitution, the first amendment, and introduce the word socially and educationally backward class of citizens. This was inserted in Article 15.4 by none other than Dr. V. R. Ambedkar. Sardar Patel's idea, idea of India and the euphoria were not true. After 10 years, same Nehru extended political reservation because there was no equality and there was an unabated discrimination. Every state government created backward class commission to focus on the welfare of backward classes. So the very idea of Sardar Patel not to hold a caste census in 1951 does not mean that we will not hold now because even after 75 years of uh, independence, we still face oppression, discrimination against scheduled caste, scheduled tribes and backward classes continues to be here. So uh, it's very important to hold a caste census now because the oppression, the discrimination, it's still there. And uh, if I'm Trying to answer the second question, I would say that firstly, I haven't not heard or read about any group of citizens opposing caste census during colonial period. In fact, if you look at the 1931 census, you'll realize the classification was mostly on the occupation. For example, under the clerks category, you will find Kayastas and Karnam in Andhra Pradesh. Under the leather worker category, you will find Chamas, Madiga, and maybe Chakliyas. In fact, the 1931 census also classifies Jats into Muslims and Hindu Jats. Similarly, Rajputs into Muslim Rajputs and Hindu Rajputs. That was the nature of caste in India at that point of time. Actually, the 1911 census of the untouchables helped the likes of Dr. B.R. Ambedkar and M.C. Raja to claim political reservation on the basis of percentage of population. Even the Dravidian movement, after coming to know about the percentage of Brahmins who were just 3% and occupying 80% of the jobs, only initiated a non-Brahmin movement to bring equality. There was no such concept of backward classes till the time it got crystallized in the first amendment to the constitution in 1951 as socially and educationally backward class of citizens. Before that, it was just a non-Brahmin category. If you look at the reservation roster of 1924 of the Madras presidency, it shows the categories where it's a Brahmin category or non-Brahmin category, untouchables or depressed classes and the Muslims. That's all. Okay. All right. That, that clears up things quite a bit. Uh, they just look at contemporary writings and the demand for caste. Do you find no merit at all in what some public intellectuals like Pratap Bhanu Mehta have posited as being the politics of bad faith being projected as a concern for the poor. In a 2010 article, he writes, 
it simply falls to say that building a just india requires census data on caste a list of all things that are necessary to empower the disempowered political participation education resources not a single one of these that need to be done to make an impact on people's empowerment requires a caste census yeah so uh, the thing is you know no one measure or one thing you know can be like you know made to do the task of overhauling society altogether like you can't say that you know only caste census is going to like transform society so much that it is going to you know get rid of all the problems that we face of because of caste uh, the main census that we have currently you know nobody says that this census is you know hasn't changed transform society so we should stop conducting it so then why why should we like you know uh, like ask that job of the caste census hmm. and other claims that pratap bhanu mehta in his articles that how caste census will actually lead to you know making the caste problem worse i don't find any merit in that at all uh, so this debate comes up again and again like you know uh, and and this you know this can go back to your previous question about nehru government as well at that time also the policy sort of was to just not talk about caste uh, and that question came up uh, you know at the time of kaka kalilkar kalilkar commission in 1955 that that commission was for you know backward classes and while defining backward classes the the commission did not want to you know take caste into account you know they wanted to define backward classes on some like quote unquote secular criteria but the actual evidence you know when when they conducted surveys etc they realized that they just can't run away from caste and even though the chairman of the commission did not like it they had to you know include as include caste as a primary basis of backward uh, backwardness and uh, and that debate has been raging on since then that you know like these intellectuals even policy makers and politicians the upper caste uh, politicians mainly they don't want to talk about caste or think of caste as a criteria for making policies you know etc but they just can't run away from it because you know we encounter it at at every uh, at every level hmm. and that similar uh, sort of um, um, you know friction we see uh, in people like pratap bhanu mehta when when they talk about caste census uh, and, and this is like a, you know you talking about something is not going to make that problem become you know worse you actually can't solve a problem if you don't talk about it if you you know you don't like deal with it right and similar is the thing with caste if you you know the reason we want to have caste census is so that we will know how exactly the resources have been distributed in society and that can help us make better policies and census does not have you know the kind of power that mehta attributes to it we already are you know a caste society we can't deny that there is discrimination there is uh, you know uh, the the unequal distribution of resources opportunities etc that fact already exists and 
I don't think census is going to make that worse. Census actually can help uh, social movements, uh, activists, uh, even even researchers uh, to you know intervene properly. Like because then the problem will become like much more clearer. Dr. Ravindran, uh, Mr. Mehta further writes. This demand of caste census has rather been fueled by politically assertive groups like OBCs, who first hijacked the Dalit discourse on deprivation to their own ends. Mr. Mehta isn't the only one to have made this point that the interests of OBCs are pitted against that of Dalits. One political theorist, writing not in the context of the census but on that of uh, the BJP, RSS, and OBCs support, said that since Mandal OBCs have enjoyed higher levels of intergenerational mobility and land ownership in comparison to Dalits, he quotes an IMF report. He writes that many OBC communities have been involved in physical conflicts with Dalits and Muslims, and that many of them have been willing foot soldiers of this project to build a Hindu rashtra. Tamil Nadu, where OBCs led the emancipation anti-Brahmin movement, he writes. is an exception yeah um i would say that uh, this is very shallow indicator of trying to oppose census by pitting dalits against obcs okay we agree to the fact that uh, there is a conflict between backward caste and dalits in the rural areas especially but how would that matter in creating a caste census right and there is of course the difference between the land holding backward caste and landless dalits so there would be a socio economic differentiation and social hierarchical di- differentiation there would be discriminatory factors between dalits and backward caste but how does all this argument fit to say that we should not have a caste census this argument is like pitting uh, not jat of dalits against jat of dalits in up for example i think that's that that's my opinion here tejas i agree with that uh, completely so this this happens a lot in in lot of you know other contexts as well like when people talk about reservations for example and you know as dr ravindran said this does not really have any connection with the caste census but this is still brought up and when people say you know uh, you know obcs who have cornered political positions etc etc they are mainly talking about uh, peasant caste we have to see that obc you know all the castes do not have same occupations they do not probably have same level of uh, socio economic conditions like the number of obcs in the country is you know about 5000 if you look at all the state lists right and out of this 5000 you know less than i don't know 500 would be peasant castes you know the castes that you know get the majority of the attention of uh, intellectuals like pratap bhanumeta and they are sort of made representative of the obcs and the whole category is tarnished and even even these peasant castes you know you you have to see that in the reservation scheme most of the states have um, sub categories <laughs> so you will have like uh, you know in maharashtra we have uh, you know separate reservations for what is called as obcs and the nomadic tribes Uh, and then uh, special backward classes so these kind of divisions you will see in bihar also andhra pradesh also uh, in lot of other other states so you can't say that only few castes are you know cornering all the all the reservation benefits that is one even in politics lot of the other agricultural castes that are not part of the obc obc uh, group for example marathas they dominate the political scene 
uh, and even here you have to see the you know the population of of these castes like marathas are the you know largest caste in maharashtra uh, and you know yadavs who are obcs they ha- they have a large population in the north uh, but that factor is not in, taken into account uh, while you know brahmins for example their population is so less everywhere but what is their representation of uh, you know in in political space that nobody speaks about so we have to keep these things in mind and you know going back to caste census like what relation does this have with the caste census uh, it's not so actually caste census will give us clarity like what is the population of all these castes uh, you know what kind of uh, social and economic background these castes have and after that if you feel that okay one you know a certain caste uh, does not merit to be in the obc category that caste can be removed from the list because that provision we have you know in the law that you know the government always has the power to either add a caste to the list or remove it from the list hmm. but that would also be a politically fraught exercise wouldn't it be uh, dr ravindran just staying with this um, assertion uh that has been made in many quarters that while the cohort of obcs have the same or similar caste location there is wide variance in levels of political social and economic backwardness obcs at the upper end enjoy both political power and control over land and if any measure is undertaken to increase overall obc representation it will only end up further strengthening these particular communities at the cost of other obcs um i think um, uh, we presume a lot of things even before the caste census is happening i think like we should at least let the caste census happen and the rest of the things will take place post caste census i think that's what we have to now look at when the caste census comes out we do not know what kind of uh, data would be coming out hmm. i think there are a lot of presumptions even before conducting this caste census what my opinion is that let the caste census happen and uh, let the data be out i think after that the government of the day can take uh, a rational decisions on the basis of that okay. so that would be my yeah Uh, Tejas the Justice Rohini Commission set up to look at the subcategorization of OBCs was meant to address some of these issues. It's been getting multiple extensions and one doesn't quite know when the report will come. Reportedly an assessment of the implementation of the 27% OBC quota over the last 5 years has shown that benefits have been cornered uh, by certain castes and uh, it, it's it's not equitable basically. So the thing is you know this subcategorization already exists in many states as i said earlier and therefore like obc groups are used to it and therefore most of them are not of opposing rohini commission people actually are waiting for rohini commission and you know i, I assume that most obc groups will welcome this subcategorization and then all these uh, you know all these doubts and criticism that only that only few castes are getting benefit of reservation that can be dispelled then then you can put like you know some castes in one category and the others that you feel that are left out they can have their own separate category right, right. Uh, so that uh, like all the castes can take benefit of of reservation uh, so and actually caste census will again help here like rohini commission had to do their own uh, own surveys and research etc and i feel that it's not that foolproof 
but if you have caste census which is uh, you know such a huge exercise and the data that we get out of a census is so granular that it can actually you know help us make these categories you know better they just how do you view the bjp's uh, non committal position on the demand for releasing secc data and conducting a proper caste census there is a consistency in opposing caste census right from the beginning right like we did not have a caste census in 1951 as well we could have because 1931 we had then 41 was a war year so we, there were like a lot of other things that were going on so we did not but in 1951 government could have you know reintroduced caste census but it did not and that policy continued uh, you know since then i remember uh, as uh, sorry i have read that you know around 2001 census also there was there was lot of noise right about conducting caste census government did not agree again in 2011 you know lot of uh, bahujan leaders were demanding it and uh, the upa government did not budge but then as a compromise they had a separate census called socio economic caste census which was not part of the main census hmm. and so you know bjp opposing it is you know a continuation of that sort of uh, elite oppo- opposition to caste census and you talk about uh, you know non so called non dominant obcs uh, being owned by bjp uh, now the caste census will not be only obc census it will be like you know it will also throw a light on upper caste what is their population uh what kind of resources they have what is their financial background educational background and that data people don't actually want to see because they fear uh that you know that that data will show the kind of inequality we have in society right now right that is one and second when you don't have data like for example uh, you know yadavs and non yadavs in the obc category for example when you don't have the exact data about that bjp can manipulate you know those the narratives better you know like when when there is like uh, there is like sort of um, what is the right word like we, you don't actually know what exactly is the reality then you can manufacture reality right and that is what bjp tries to do you know while while um, creating sort of vote banks right but if you have data then you know then then you have to like then you have to deal with the data itself and then you you cannot create false narratives so that actually if if the caste census happens that actually will take away some power from bjp to manufacture narratives okay dr ravindran uh, will the caste census at all uh, be able to guide the decisions to be made for which there is great pressure on state governments to include or not in the reservation ambit a community like the marathas in maharashtra who have enjoyed consistent political power land ownership etc uh, and as some people say making their claims contestable or indeed the politically powerful caste block of patels in gujarat um so um so those who want to uh link maratha reservation or the reservation demand for the patels of gujarat seem to take the caste census a bit too far fetched uh, the issue of marathas or patels or even kapus of andhra pradesh 
existed even before the current demand for car sensors. It is also a bit too far-fetched to think that when the car census tells us that the actual population of the backward classes in this country is somewhere around 60 to 70%, then overall clamor for reservation as per population would grow. Hmm. So we should understand that in the Indra Sony case, even though the other backward class measured about 52% of the population, as per the Mandal Commission report, they secured only 27% reservation under the 50% rule of the Supreme Court judgment. Mm. So the other backward classes in this country kept quiet. There was not much of clamor to breach the 50% rule. But once the government in 2019 breached the 50% rule, and till now, when the Supreme Court has not given any decision on that breach in the EWS reservation for the non-SCST OBCs in the country, then naturally it was a fear of the upper caste that if a caste census projects 60 to 70% of population of backward caste in this country, the backward caste would claim such reservation, right? It will be up to the government of the day to decide. It would also up to the Supreme Court of the Constitutional Court to, uh, Courts to decide upon that. Even though the Indrasani judgment, while granting constitutional rights to reservation for the backward class of citizens in this country, it has taken away many things from them. It took away reservation promotions, imposed creamy layer, it pushed in the 50% rule. At the end of it, it restricted their reservation of OBCs from 52% to 27%. Right. So these fears that Patils and Marathas and other pow powerful castes coming in to grab reservation doesn't gel with the caste society. Who, who knows, contrary to the belief that Marathas and Patils are rich, what if we find 70% of them are poor? This finding would anyway be in the unreleased SCCC data. This is another idea to create a breach between upwardly mobile backwards and the others. That would be my answer. Tejas? Yeah, I mean, um, so caste census will actually help clarify a lot of things. For example, uh, in the case of Marathas in Maharashtra, uh, the population is right now, you know, is said to be around like 30 to 35%. And based on that, government had proposed, you know, about 15% reservation to them. But now we don't actually know what their population is. Like what we have are only estimates. So if you have caste census, then we will know their exact population. And, you know, as Dr. Ravindran said, we also will know like, you know, what is the economic condition of Marathas? Like how many of them are poor, you know, how many graduates to Marathas have and things like that. And that data can help us, you know, understand their, you know, I mean, like the socioeconomic, I mean, mostly educational and economic condition of Marathas. And um, because, you know, when, when the commission recommended that Marathas should get uh, reservation, the commission had done its own sample surveys. Now, like sample surveys are not perfect because you know as opposed to a census because in census you go to each household and you know find data on each, each house or the person so the data that we get is much more comprehensive and much more granular right right so if we have that data then like you know the, the demand by uh, marathas and patels and jats in the north you know, all of these demands can be dealt with 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 that data so but the principle of reservations as envisaged in our constitution is meant as 
reparations for historical injustices. Therefore, social backwardness rooted in caste oppression is essential uh, to be considered for reservation. Where does, uh, you know, where do the demands for reservations for Marathas, etc. fit into this? Uh, so I actually am somewhere, you know, in the middle because these castes, they are not exactly upper caste. You know, they are agricultural castes and uh, they have, you know, they also have faced uh, social discrimination and so, some sort of, you know, disabilities. But they also are not like, you know, castes that are even below in the caste hierarchy. Mm. So I am actually, you know, neutral on this question. I mean, I, I you can't exactly call them lower caste also, but you can't also call them upper caste, um, you know. So that that's something that, uh, you know, we, we have to grapple with and I don't have an answer to that. Uh, and therefore, we'll have to like deal with that question politically. I do not think there can be uh, an objective answer to this because if you look at this cars historically, some of them even had tribal origins, you know, for example, Jats and like cars like Marathas, which probably wasn't even a caste uh, three centuries ago, you know. Uh, it, it was an agri- was an agricultural caste which which also faced uh, discrimination by Brahmins and they were kept away from education and all of those things. So it's it's a little uh, tricky question. Uh, Dr. Ravindran, um, in its affidavit in the Supreme Court, the Modi government submitted that the data collected as part of the socio-economic caste census in 2011 was unusable. I'm quoting from that affidavit. The SECC data pertaining to castes in Maharashtra shows 4.28 lakh castes enumerated. As opposed to this, the existing castes which are published in the state in SC, ST and OBC category are only 494. And 99% of castes enumerated have a population of less than 100 persons. All this, uh, the government claimed, pointed to SECC being fraught with mistakes and inaccuracies. Okay. Uh, I think the best solution to this uh, multiplicity of caste in the socioeconomic caste census is to upload the data into the public domain. That's a very simple solution and hand over to the Anthropological Survey of India to collate those castes into categories. It's a very easy exercise to do. It will not take much time. In fact, the data of SACC was available with the government in 2014. I'll tell you a very simple thing as to how a caste enumeration is done beautifully. Example was in Punjab in 1931. All the Dalits started returning their caste as Adi Dharmi in Andhra. They call as Adi Andhra, Adi Dravida in Tamil Nadu. So the census guys of 1931 simply came back and added them up. But the point is, today, over a period of 75 years or more, people have started realizing that somebody asked them their caste, they started mentioning their Gotra as their caste. If somebody was a Brahmin, they would mention Pandit, Chaturvedi, Sharma, or Kaushik. Hmm. Let's leave to the Anthropological Survey of India who tell us, okay, all this Trivedi or Divedi or Chaturvedi and whatever the surnames, Kaushik, all these things for category of Brahmins. It's very easy. Why is somebody afraid mentioning that instead of 494 castes in Maharashtra, some 48,000 castes cropped up? Why is that SCCC thing shown as monstrosity? Hmm. Please upload SCCC data into public domain and just wait. Even 10 social research institutions will crystallize the data for you. Believe in our academician, in our research institution, our 
in our social research institution especially we will decipher secc data for the nation i don't think it will take 6 months even to tell you what or all those secc cast are right that's that certainly clears up uh, that issue thank you uh, for your time and your insights dr ravindran tejas harad thank you for joining us on the podcast thank you so much vinda thank you thank so you much Smita. thank you thanks thank let's also bring in senior journalist sumit pandey to help us understand the political ramifications were such a census to be conducted uh, sumit uh, thanks for joining us why uh, in your opinion i'll begin by asking you as the bjp which has been a beneficiary of non dominant obc votes a community that played a key role in its electoral triumphs um, not keen on releasing the secc data or indeed conducting a proper caste census is it a fear of pushback from upper caste smita not only bjp any political party in power uh, before taking a, a policy decision like this which may have ramifications and a disruption uh, in the in the current status quo that is prevailing in the country is going to scan it and think over it multiple of times before committing on anything like this right so in even in 2011 when congress agreed to conduct an secc uh, i'm sure that it would have gone through the pros and cons but i think within the political system at that point in time especially within the congress uh, there would have been a decision taken that probably it's it's sort of pandora's box which we do not know how it's going to you know what uh, how it's going to affect the 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 current polity and whether it's going to be beneficial to the congress's politics or not and then this data was not released obviously you know the the argument given later was that the data is contaminated mm-hmm. currently also uh, bjp has been able to do a fine balancing act in the sense that they have been able to balance the obc aspirations and at the same point in time they have been able to carry together the upper caste voters so if they if they reach out to the backwards they also have been able to implement you know economically weaker section quotas of 10% to to mollify its core constituency a decision like this can have huge ramifications smita first of all uh, one must understand that uh, in 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 going ahead with this quota and uh, decision and if we have the empirical numbers then there could obviously be demand from various smaller caste groups or intermediary caste groups who may you know use the data to ask the government to redefine the 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 obc reservations for example the patels have been demanding marathas have been demanding the kapus have been demanding in, in andhra pradesh that's going to i mean this this data may raise further questions on on how the quota pie of specially amongst the obcs is to be divided whether that suits the bjp or not i'm basically giving you a political argument you know from a political perspective right then uh, there is the question of uh, you know quota within quota hmm. that again is a is a very important aspect uh, the certain caste have uh, walked away with uh, the privilege or the advantages of the of the reservations vis-a-vis the smaller caste especially in uttar pradesh there was this hukumsun committee report which was published when rajnath singh was the chief minister in 2002 and it says that a majority of i mean the yadavs and the kurmis the two castes have been the major beneficiary Uh, amongst the obcs whereas the smaller castes like the mauryas and the kushwa have not gone uh, anything so within the obc section whether it's going to again create a new churning and how that churning is going to affect the bjp politics uh, is these are the questions which are undetermined currently at this point in time 
you know, uh, Sumit Sanjay Kumar from CSDS has written that the reason why the BJP seems reluctant about a caste census may be for fear that it might give a new issue to regional parties to mount pressure on them for reshaping the OBC quota in central government jobs and educational institutions. Uh, it might result in a situation of Mandal too, he wrote, uh, giving a new lease of life to many regional parties which otherwise are struggling to find an agenda to challenge the BJP electorally. Smita, I would not call it Mandal 2, I would call it Mandal 3. Mandal 1 happened in 1989 and 90. Right. Mandal 2 happened when BJP was able to disrupt this narrative and create an OBC constituency for itself. In the process, isolating the Jatavs among the, uh, the Dalits and the Yadavs amongst the uh, backwards and uh, becoming the repository of this, you know, this larger vote bank. Mandal 3 will happen because, can happen because if you have an empirical data to show. Now, again, you know, I'll just, you know, uh, go back and, uh, you know, from where this entire sentiment for conducting and conducting a caste census also comes from is the fact that EWS quota was implemented by the current government just ahead of the 2019 elections. Now, one of the primary arguments which is often giving, cited, in not increasing the OBC quota, though some states have done it, like Tamil Nadu, which they have done it by putting it in the ninth schedule, is that it breaches the 27% or the 49-50% ceiling, which has been set up by the Supreme Court in the Indrasani case. Now that reservation was that uh, that that uh, threshold was breached in the EWS quota. So the the argument which has you know emanated from there is that if the fifty percent threshold can be breached to include the EWS quota, why not increase the OBC quota if the empirical data finds that the numerical strength of the OPCs is much more than what has been calculated probably in the Mandal Commission report. And if we have the data to show that what is their current socio-economic status. But again, as I said, because in the political arena, the, 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 the space which has been occupied by the Mandal parties has been encroached upon and they are trying to push that back. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see the ramification of it in, in the form of, you know, a very strong demands among these parties for, a, for getting some sort of the empirical data uh, as far as the reservation and also for a targeted implementation of various government schemes. Okay. Sumit, thank you for your time and thank you for your insights. Thank you, Sumit. That's it on this episode of your weekly fix. I'll be back next Friday. <laughs>